going to be my new year time, but sorry. Welcome, welcome, welcome. But I do think that there's, I guess, it, I'm thinking of something like short. That's, that's I think, perfect for a podcast. Totally short. Are we done with our brainstorming session? Yeah. Hi, welcome to our podcast. Hello, hello. I'm Lane. I'm Wes. This is Uncharted Us. And we like to say this stuff really quickly so we can get into the goods. Now we're here. <sighs> We've arrived. Oh, good. <laughs> so what's on the agenda today? Um, remember how last time we were like, we like to arrive at like the fog, like talk about the fog that we are in as mm, a place to start. The fog, yeah. Like, what are you swimming in? Mm. <laughs> it's been foggy lately. It's been a little foggy. And I think I... Am so, so. Take your time. <laughs> Go inward. What's up? Mm, I love you. I love you. <sighs> yeah, I think I'm just really coming face to face with like lots of stuff that I don't like about myself. Mm. You know, and I've and I've talked about this before, like the coming up of all the of even more fog when you're like on your way to some place more sunny. Yeah. That we have to go through the valley. Yeah, I'm so accustomed to keeping myself like insulated from Things and what things? I guess I mean like, you know, the only person who ever really, you know, would be able to sense when I was, you know, in a foggy state or dealing with, you know, being down, whether I knew it or not, has been like my mom, mm -hmm. Holly, and you. Don't tell the listeners who Holly is. <clears throat> yeah, Holly uh, is my ex from college. We dated on and off for like five years. Yeah, for a while she was the person I was closest to. But there were just so many clauses and like different layers of expectations that I had to navigate in the same way that I always had had to with my mom. And so I spent a lot of time carefully choosing what I was going to share about my life right. with people. And so many times Holly would be able to sense something and I would just shut down mm -hmm. because I was like, if I open up, then the floodgates, then the floodgates will start and I don't want to. I'm, I have, there's, there's a lot much. behind here yeah. that I don't even ever want to open it up. Yeah. She won't be accepting of it all. Yeah. And it's shame. And deeper in there, it's like me not accepting that part of myself. Me trying to resist that. Right. And so letting someone else see is incredibly hard for me. Yeah. And I can see that sometimes. And I think 
I think sometimes I meet you with a frustration or when I sense that, when I sense that there is something underneath the tip of the iceberg, like last night. Yeah. There was, you were just being quiet. Yeah. And there was like a few, I just started kind of like poking you, being like, what's wrong? Is there any way I can support you today? You seem sad. And your answer was either like silence or I don't know. Yeah. And like, which is like not you. And so I let it get to me where typically I would kind of, and I think ultimately I, I came to understand that like, I came to understand what was actually happening, that you were um, kind of maybe shutting down based on what you like just, just described. And I can do a better job of recognizing that that's what's happening and giving you space. Because ultimately that was what happened. I realized that, that you probably just needed a little bit of space and to not have me asking you like, what's up? How you feeling? What's going on? Yeah, I also think I was resistant. You know, I think I get really defensive when you, when you would say, this isn't like you. And part of me wants to say like, there's lots of parts of me. Right. Like I can be silent and that doesn't mean I'm acting like another person. Mm. And then that makes me almost start to become the defender of this behavior that I actually don't want to defend, but I don't want to defend my right, you know? So it's like, and this happens in a lot of ways. If, if you see, or you point out a pattern or you're like saying, what's up? And then I'm like, Oh no, she sees it. I've been exposed. Yeah. I want to, be like, yeah, so I can yeah. be sad. Yeah, yeah, so I can be whatever. Yeah. Even though I don't want to do that. And I think that energy is what I sense of like you being like, I'm not going to back down from this, 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 this um, iciness or, or stoicness or whatever is going on. And um, yeah, I think... That was what maybe frustrated me, got under my skin, was sensing that kind of, like, choice for you not to... I mean, you don't have to open up. That is all up to you. But I think what I'm asking for is some level of communication on, like, how you are feeling or what you want from me in that moment. You don't have to open up to me if you don't want to. But ultimately, I want you to communicate to me that you need space. Or that you... Whatever you need to have, I want you to ask for it. And I think I maybe sensed that you didn't know how to figure out what you needed. Yeah. And that almost felt annoying to me. Because it felt like... And it feels like, I feel kind of like a dick saying that, but like, it almost felt annoying to me that like, I felt like I had to figure out what your needs were so that I would not be negatively affected by your mood or whatever, which, mm. you know, isn't really fair. I can't control your mood or whatever, but, um, there are too many gnats in this room. I'm afraid they're going to like show up on the recording. Anyway, um, sorry about all the gnat noise. Yeah, if you hear any buzzing, I don't know. I feel a little twisted in what I'm trying to say to you, 
but it's ultimately that I felt frustrated and I knew that I felt a little bit like a little kid. I knew I felt a little bit triggered by your silence and by your unwillingness to communicate with me. And it reminds me of high school. It reminds me of other boys I know. It reminds The reason I say it's not like you is because you are someone who introspects and you are someone who is usually willing to share what's going on for you. And so I think I was annoyed by maybe your mask or maybe this this putting up of this wall. And I didn't have the patience to just leave it alone. And so I, I'm not even trying to say that I was right or you were wrong or whatever. I yeah. want to cultivate more patience with understanding how you express yourself. And I want you to see me as someone who is safe to express themselves to. And I don't want to be someone who's always trying to poke and prod you. Yeah, I think there's there's part of a feeling of like my brain is saying, okay, so like, and this is crazy, but this is like what I think is like, okay, act happy now so that you don't have to have that situation where Lane would pick up on something that then you have to explain. Mm. And that's not what I want to do. Yeah, it's just like that reaction to having felt exposed, which is, you know, two options with how I, you know, respond to that, you know, which is like, oh no, like better repair this patch and like, you know, invigorate my shields. Mm. Or like say, wow, what all this is actually about is just a wound of mine Mm. that I haven't given the air or space or acknowledgement to let heal. Yeah, it's just covered up. Or to allow, or for me to even understand that that's what it is. It just feels like, you know, I have this history and this like ingrained old shit that makes me just be like, that's just, that was like a weakness was exposed. You know, it's like, instead of what are you, what am I talking about? Why, you know, and it almost seems like, like a type of masculine explanation of what emotions are Mm. (laughs) that kind of co-ops a little bit of my insecurity of like, that's why you don't be exposed, right? That's why vulnerability is bad. Mm. Like, or even, oh, well, like now Lane has this expectation of me as being an open, vulnerable sharer. So now when I don't do that, then fuck. So it's like, yeah, it's like I'm, I've been, I'm thinking of this metaphor of like gopher holes and just always having lived in a place where there was always something to pop, a hole to pop down into to be safe. And then as we go explore what the actual world is, that isn't just our own little hallways and holes to protect ourselves, I kind of am like, oh, fuck, ah, crap, I ventured too far from, like, the storyline of what life is supposed to be, which is... Say more about that, because I'm, like, not clear on what that metaphor is. Which is just, like, you know, life is safe as long as you always have a hole 
a few feet away from you to jump into to, to jump into to you, hide to hide whenever you feel a potential danger a potential judgment whatever type of almost gonna be rubbed some way that you don't want to happen or even just a way that isn't what you want and so because your desired thing is interrupted by something else you could view it as being even painful even if it's not actually you know it's like i think about something like we expect to be like let's go get groceries right now and then like oh the store is closed so it's like not getting groceries right now isn't a bad thing but because we had this thing we drove and we wanted that to happen now it feels like that's a negative thing because we just jumped in the car created a story where we're going to get groceries Mm -hmm. but then that perceived reality that doesn't even exist yet but that we think we're already in is like stripped away from us And so that (laughs) grocery metaphor is like, I don't even know. Fuck. I don't know either. I'm confused. (laughs) I got too deep in the metaphors. I wasn't following it. But I do understand this idea of you've lived your life taking... There were literally 8 million gnats in here. Why are there so many gnats? What is in here? Oh, bro. Plants. It's the dead. It's definitely the dead flowers. Dead flowers book. Okay. And there's probably still water in there, too. Yeah. Oh, I understand what you're saying about hiding, living your life on this track that is you're doing the things that are comfortable. And then maybe when you're pushed a little bit too much, you go into your, your hole. And I think the feeling that comes up for me a little bit when you like jump into a hole is betrayal. Which is interesting, right? Yeah, and I get triggered by that, I think. Because I'm like, yo, I thought we were going to be honest with each other. I thought we weren't like, I thought we weren't doing that. Like, I thought that we were metamorphosizing and stepping into our truths and being as honest and open-hearted as we can be. That doesn't mean pouring out more of our cup than we have or, you know giving more than we have at all. It just means trying to say things that we mean and live in a way that we stand by. Yeah. It has nothing to do with your level of productivity. It has nothing to do with how much you talk. It has nothing to do with what what you do in your day. It has to do with shame. Because I notice that you jump into your gopher holes when you're experiencing shame. Yes. And... The reason why it feels like betrayal to me is because I'm like, I know you. I see you. You think I don't see you? And so when you jump into your holes, you're like, it's it's almost like you're saying to me, like, you you don't know me and I regret showing you these things or I regret or like mm-hmm. I, I'm putting my shields up. And, and so that does feel a little bit like a betrayal, which is a dramatic word to use, but it, that's that's what it feels like to me. And I think that's why it does trigger me or does trigger a feeling of I can't think of any other word but betrayal Um, because I because we are in a relationship and because there's a closeness that I desire in my relationships and because I know that the poison 
in most heteromonogamous relationships is a lack of that communication. And I'm so heavily aware of it. So it's like that betrayal mixed with this feeling of like fear that you won't open up to me. I immediately feel like scared of that. It makes me feel like, oh no, I'm in a position to cause someone else pain. That's relationship. I need to run away. Yeah. Isn't that also a reflection of, oh no, something uncomfortable? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, and I'm kind of like... uh... Do you feel roasted toasted right now? Roasted toasted? Did I roast you? No. Oh, good. I mean, you think you did. I don't think I did. Oh. But I'm saying, do you feel like maybe knocked down or a little too disarmed or um because you seem it what were we talking about that i'm mad about or disarmed about um so basically you made that metaphor about gophers and then a metaphor at grocery stores that i didn't necessarily follow and then i think i tried to explain that i feel kind of betrayed when you go into a hole because of XYZ. And I think that might be a little triggering or disarming for you to hear. So you might be grappling with that or what? Uh, I have a hard time with answering a question like that because it feels like I'm choosing, is it other or is it this? Did I ask you a question? You said, you, you hear like, you might feel disarmed by that. And mm. so I'm kind of like, there's lots of other emotions. So I kind of just want to like not answer that. Mm. Um, That's me kind of just like handing you an emotion and being like, does it fit? So, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I think I'm focused in on the word disarmed. Because I'm like, what am I armed with in the first place? Because it's like, the arms that I've kept aren't the tools I plan and want to be using anymore. Mm. So feeling disarmed is like this feeling of, ah, right? Like we've been talking about exposed, there's no hole around You know, my flight response, where's the exit? And so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the weapon that I've always had. It's kind of like, that's where, that's how I could always respond to things, you know, in, let's just say, having like home court advantage, always living my life in this lots of space, lots of walls, lots of places for me to hide, lots of closets I hid things in both literally and figuratively Mm -hmm. um so I'm I don't I like don't know what to do with my hands because I'm usually like gripping the wall peeking behind and so hi I don't want to look for a hole anymore I just want to stand in the sun with you 
What is it that's getting you? Just kind of like the idea that there's some thing that I'm like gripping to. What is that thing, do you think? The wall, like... Is it perceived safety? I'm handing you another thing again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like... I think it's really like... I just... There's still a lot of stuff in my own darkness I'm afraid of. Mm. (sighs) Yeah, that stuff can have a paralyzing... And then it's like it feels compounded... Because then it feels like, well, you might be afraid of it too. Yeah. And so I'm like caught between this, like, hmm, this like desire to say like, I'm not going to give up my closets. You can't make me. (laughs) Why do you want to hold on to them? So I'll be accepted. By who? I don't know. Me. So many people live their lives inside of those holes. Yeah. I'd say the majority of people do. And I've fallen in love with you because of your strength and your ability to um, not only stay out of your holes or, or like hop out, but to hop out and be like, I was just in a hole, dude. And here's some stuff that's down in this hole. And so that I can empathize with you and be like, and so that I can feel like I know you. And and I think so many people stay in their hole and um, that alienates them from other people. And then it makes them see other people as the enemy. Yeah. They assume that no one will ever relate to them or they assume they're alone. But I think you have this like, ultimate knowing of your interconnectedness to everything and so it's like your soul versus all of the shame that's been thrust upon it because of the way that you have moved through the first part of your life as like someone who like has a neurodivergent brain and wasn't really catered to and was shamed instead And so your holes make sense. And I'm not judging you for having holes. And I have holes. And I don't know how many times I can say holes without making it sexual. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think just the most beautiful part about our relationship is when we peek out of our holes at each other. And I, I don't think I've ever received that before. Yeah, that's what that's what feels so groundbreaking about our connection is the vulnerability and the lack of hiding. And so I think when you do hide, I'm like, wait, that's not what we've been, what we've been building on. And so I think it's surprising to me or it's jarring. I see what you mean about betrayal because it really does feel like, you know, like this is like, you know, kind of like the understanding between us since since we met is like uncharted us. It's like. Oh, with you, I don't long for holes. (laughs) You know, I don't feel like drawn to that or like, like I have to be looking over my shoulder or looking at the whole map in order to feel comfortable to go do anything. In order to feel safe. 
And so I don't want to abandon you. But, you know, I think I've, I like, I've been drawn up to the surface. And so now I can be like, oh yeah, that guy running into holes is like screaming, like, I'll never give up my right to be down here. You know, and at the heart of that, it's kind of like, he's also saying like, you fool, we're safe here. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of time with that voice, with that person. They feels like that, like that's, I know where that Comfort. is. I feel that. You know, it's kind of like, I just had this image of the Truman Show. We're like imagining the the people trying to stop him from going outside the city. Where it's just like my parts of me that have like decorated the walls of these holes and is like kind of in this almost kind of a like tunnel vision, small. Here's what I need. Here's warmth. See, like my mom supports this or, you know. I'll be able to live here forever. You could project that future and, you know, convince yourself of all of the, you know, pros that outweigh the potential dangers of something different. And that is a charted map. That's a charted map. And like Jim Carrey being like, holy fuck, what? Oh my God, there's all this shit. People are trying to stop me. I got to get on this boat. Like there's a wall there. It's just like my, like my, the voices, or it's just like the voice of people who want the world to stay in that, right? Even the people who are like, I like that Truman live small every day. It reminds me that I'm okay to live small too. Mm. Like, so there's like the culture that's behind you staying where you are. Mm-hmm. And so all of that is heard here from like a voice that seems like something I can trust, you know, because it's, I have the evidence seemingly to say how many times I was protected from being made fun of or mm-hmm. being thought of as weird or you got to be in a even lot if those things wouldn't place. have happened, yeah. I have a story about how I've been protected by my my running underground. So, yeah, that's just to say that it's like it feels like there's that level of like a force, like in Truman Show, like people trying to stop me from finding out the truth of my power, like my own head saying to me that's not safe for me to go your ego being like that's hard (sighs) it's hard and it's also telling me well because look at how successful you've been at hard things so far in your life huh good luck bro the fuck (laughs) and so it does feel like i'm kind of like submitting to that sometimes And, yeah, (laughs) and you were just kind of like, what you doing down there? (laughs) And I'm like, where? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Would you say it's getting less comfortable to spend time in those holes? Yeah, 
for sure. I think that's like something beautiful, like that you should follow because we are comfortable until we're not, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna be really comfortable just like being in your whole like keeping to yourself, smoking some weed, doing whatever uh-huh. until it's not anymore. And then you're faced with, okay, what what do I what do I desire? What do I actually want? And I think that's been something that you haven't allowed yourself to ask yourself enough. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't allowed yourself to have that conversation with yourself enough, maybe because you don't think that you it's even achievable. Because someone has lied to you and told you that like your world is just holes, a series of holes underground. When in reality, it's like, it's all up here. Mm-hmm. And it's all possible. And it's not only possible, it's all like for you. Like your desires are pointing you toward what's actually for you. And I think it's like, there's some really cool like stuff happening with how uncomfortable you are lately. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. Yeah. And I think what comes next is creating a self-trust and a way to Mm -hmm. ask yourself what you need and advocate for what you need. Because a lot of the time when you go in a hole, there's a reason. It's because you have a need that hasn't been fulfilled. You need alone time. We don't always have to go into a hole for a long time. We can we can ask for a long time and then take it. But like, yeah. there's this beautiful yeah, yeah. part of you that is like getting too big for the holes. You're outgrowing mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. and it's not comfortable anymore. And so you're like, I actually have to look at what I want, and it kind of hurts to look at what I want because I haven't gone for it yet. Mm. But we're here, dude. We're above ground. And I'm even with you. And I couldn't do what I'm doing without you. You know? I think we help each other stay out of our holes. Even though I know I trigger yours sometimes. But I know that it's just because of experiences that you've had. (laughs) Yeah, I think a big... A big thing on my mind and, and... Exactly what you're saying, and you know, I have understanding of how much this affects me. It's just like my my own trust in myself. It really, like, heavily degraded my self trust when, for like, you know, I let myself like fail out of college almost, and then I spent the next like four years just constantly like trying to say I'm gonna work on procrastination and not smoking weed and then for four years it was just this constant short-term promise breaking the promise hiding that from my girlfriend hiding that from my roommates trying to recoup and and it was just and almost I mean, almost all of that was just to my in my own personal whole without anyone ever knowing and only a few people being able to kind of you know see what I was doing just because they were around me and without knowing you were digging your heels in deeper digging yourself deeper and deeper into your hole yeah yeah. by trying to um by by 
like swallowing all that shame. But it was like I was hyper focused on this uh, this very specific issue in this specific environment, which was this constant being a full time student, full time singing in choir, having all these friends, having a whole stoner crew, having a girlfriend who I could never smoke around. So it was like a million different things on my plate. And so, yeah, like my, everything just became scattered and spread apart. And I just made every part of that, you know, that lifestyle of being in college, just full of all these holes and stashing different parts of me in all these different places. Yeah, it's like I was just, it was like this experience of juggling things and being like, I was like twisting my ankles in these holes because I'm like trying to learn how to juggle. And then I'm like, my environment, I haven't created an environment that's good to juggle school and this and social life and smoking weed. And And you were fracturing yourself. And I, oh, absolutely. And so, yeah. And so now I can, now I'm like basically in a way kind of like re stepping up out and starting to juggle things that I care about and and understand them and build muscle memory and and start to do tricks and start to have fun and and yeah so sometimes like when I drop something my response is to like like cry but like not like hide that's like punish yourself yeah and so I even think that's how I react when, when it's something that that you might say, you're not being regular you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, crap, I've done something wrong. I want to ask you, what is it that you wanted when you, like in college, when when these parts of you were so fractured? And when you were in this relationship with Holly and when all these parts of you didn't match up, like all these expectations and it was, that's why you created all of these identities. Yeah. What was it that you wanted and what was it that you needed? Why were you in this relationship? Why were you in these friendships? Like, what was it that kept you there? What was it that kept you like, what did you, what did you get from those things? I mean... It was just the system that I was trapped in. Mm. You know, it was very, I mean, my, my college was smaller than my high school. So it was very, like, I was in choir. These are my choir friends. Like, these are, like, and, you know, once all this started, once I kind of hit the ground after my, like, early teenage stoner years, when I was like, okay, what, what do I actually want to do? Can I actually, what do I actually care about? And I think in that feeling of like, I need to figure out why I'm in college and why I'm here that then like being with Holly and then being like a part of the choir just kind of became like, well, I'm on the path to graduating and I'll have my senior year concert and all that stuff. It just, it just felt normal. It just Mm -hmm. all my, my entire life had been coping with things until the class was over and I took the final exam and that type of stuff. So I didn't even really ever think about it at all. Besides the fact that I said, once I was halfway in, I got to get out because I don't want to 
have debt and no degree. So that was like the only real driving force. Like I didn't want to be there. I didn't give a fuck, but I had just buckled my seatbelt on this thing. And I was like, all of these exits that I'm going to pass by for the next years are going to cost me so much money if I were to eject myself from this situation. And so I think I kind of was like, Holly, yay. She wanted to help me not smoke weed and be a good student. And I mean, fuck. I mean, it was just kind of like... She was like this parent role. Yeah, she like helped to be almost like a new type of conscience that I wanted to help develop in myself to be more fucking responsible, I guess, mm. you know, per the advice of my parents and all within this realm, like I said. So, um, and you just wanted, yeah. It, like, do you feel like you were kind of I just clueless? was trying to survive. I was clueless. Is that how you felt? Like in terms of like what you act, what you truly wanted? Because I understand that like leaving college, you're like, well, that's not going to make any sense for the amount of money I've already spent and whatever, whatever. And because so many of us are like shuffled down that pathway. It just makes me think that even sooner there was this like distrust of yourself that was created. Of course, like in high school, if that was hard for you. There's mm -hmm. this distrust of yourself that was, like, really grown because you were being handed these assignments. And for whatever reason, you were like, I can't do these. And so this is how I'm going to develop you know, my habit. It is interesting because I get you. Know, it feels weird to say, but it's like I just I just chose not to. Yeah. In a, you know, so... So that may have made you believe that you can't. Yeah, I, I kind of, like... I would almost, like, pretend that the car wouldn't start of, like, trying to do school well. So that I would give myself permission to not try, almost. I think what I'm trying to do... I have no ulterior motives, but, like, I'm trying to understand you. And I'm trying to understand, like, how that ties to... Now, when you when you have a task and you're like, it is that version of you from childhood, from high school, who's like, I don't want to do this, so I'm going to pretend or whatever that like haunts you, follows you into your adult life with things that you actually want to do. And like, I think I'm just asking you questions about like where he was created, like where that part of you who, you know, maybe doesn't believe that they're capable of trying or, or it just makes me think of the other day when we were trying to put together your tripod and you, you were exasperated kind of immediately. And I was like, Google it. And it's almost like you, you want to really give up before you even Google it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, dude, this, that's how you got to get by. You got to Google shit. Like you got to realize that you got to figure it out but also you don't have to figure out anything that you don't want to figure out and maybe you you like growing up you were told to figure out too many things that you didn't fucking care about you know what i just thought about and this is related but i'm thinking about the way i related to homework because i never did my homework but at the same time i almost always did 
but I would like copy people's right before class or like do it quick at lunch before six period or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, in my head, I'm always thinking of that as procrastination, but I think there was a big difference in terms of how my brain and, and what the environment was giving me in terms of how I focus. Also, my mom's like, do your homework. So I go to my room, I'm sitting, I'm just, I get, I never played music. I was distracted by music. So I'd just be sitting there in my silent basement room trying to focus on something. Whereas if I'm like getting to class 10 minutes early, buzzing around, trying to have the textbook out in front of me, and like people are fluttering in, somehow that frantic energy allowed me to just fucking get it done. Mm-hmm. I could have done it at that pace at 7 p.m. the night before, but I I didn't have the, you know, the, condi- the conditions. Yeah, I wasn't. And it's like, yeah, what's the incentive? Or, or what the- is my... I want to say the deadline, but the um, pressure. And also, it's like I've never, I never allowed myself to think about or even know that I could think about what environments work for me. I like literally never thought about that before in my life. About how I learn or what's good for me or how I respond or how I navigate shit with homework. I just didn't ever. I mean, this sounds, this, I really feel embarrassed talking about this because I feel like, oh, school work was a trauma. Wow. Boo-hoo. I mean, I hate to even give voice to that. It's just the, the way that you, so school was this thing that we had. For years and years and years and years. That molds the way that we do stuff. Yeah. Tasks. And you molded something (laughs) that doesn't serve you. Yeah. In your adult life. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of what I'm trying to knock on. To be like, hey, what's this made up out of? What's this work ethic made up out of? Because I think you actually like are incredibly intelligent and have a a lot of focus when you're interested in something and like have a lot of insight and a lot of flow Mm -hmm. and like you've just created this framework because of years and years of schooling of doing things in a procrastinatory inefficient manner that then leads to you just deciding that you're not interested in it at all and like that's not serving you in your adult life anymore and I think that maybe you're recognizing that and that's what you're running up against for and sure. with no judgment for your younger self, because you did what you had to do when you were doing it. You did it for whatever reason. Mm. I'm burping. It did mold the way that you interact with things. And I say that not to shame you or to, like, point out something wrong with you, but to say, like, it makes sense. Like, and we can go back and, like, with, like, loving and self-compassion, reprogram those parts to function for you and to and to know that you're not there's no one who's out to get you anymore there's no one who's going to fail you anymore yeah and if you want to do something there's nobody who's going to stop you except yourself yeah and i think that's my my wow 
because that doesn't give me confidence. Mm. <laughs> because of a lack of self-trust? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what we're working toward. Yeah. <laughs> the only person that can get in your way is you. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. It's like my biggest fear. Mm. <laughs> you know, and I think, and I've been doing a pretty good job so far. <sighs> of what? Getting in my own way. Mm. That's my fog. That's what I want to sit in and explore. Understand. Help move on. Mm. So we about to grow some shit here. We need some sun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just can't shake this like image of you kind of being in your holes and like sitting in your armchair in your holes like as a little rabbit, but the walls are just <laughs> as like wide as you are, and you're like. Ah. I'm well, I'm comfortable, but like, yeah, you're so ready to like not be these, down there. I have all these stories about why this is good. I like to be tight. I, it, this is what I like. I don't even need a blanket. The <laughs> the ground is my blanket because I can barely move. You sleeping in your car? It's like, it's like, oh my god, that's me sleeping in my car. Holy shit. Yeah, and that's me being like, oh my god, I don't know if I want to move to Portland. Because I don't know if there's going to be holes there. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just need to bring my own. <laughs> <sighs> and we will. We, those holes never get erased. And those holes have served us. Like, we've, we, we dug them at some point. And they served us at some point. And now you, they're causing you a type of discomfort. And so you're like, oh, actually, I kind of want to outgrow this. I don't know. It sounds weird to say, but this is like, this is bigger than just you and me. Yeah. Of course it is. <laughs> oh, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you. <laughs> when do I get to cry? <laughs> what the fuck? You know, this was a, this was kind of a Wes episode. <laughs> Wes episode? Well, you've cried on every episode. It's kind of your thing. <laughs> yeah, but I but we were just coming out of my fog last night. Yeah. I do want to say one more thing, and I'm please, I'm certainly going to touch on this in future episodes because it's a huge part of what I've learned in my coaching that I received last year. There's this thing called the down, and I want to liken it to your holes because. Mm. The down is inevitable. And it's like, because our experience of life is always in an up and in a down, in an up and a down, in an opening and closing. And so when you're in an inevitable down, one, it's not forever. Two, that's the place to gather information. Once you realize like, oh, I'm down here. What, 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 what can I, like, be aware of? Like, not to change it, not to try and claw out, not to try to wiggle out of it and be like, no, I don't want to be down here, fuck! <laughs> Just to be like, huh, what color are the walls? Look how far I've fallen! <laughs> yeah. You're just like, you know that you're eventually just going to go back up to the top 
So while you're down here, might as well be like, hmm, become friends with it. Be like, oh, like this is kind of like, how is this serving me? Like, what am I, what am I gaining down here? What am I getting? What am I fueling up on before I like go back up there? And you know what I, what my old whole habits are? Is to be like, well, I'm down here. Might as well play video games all day, eat three pizzas, you know, sit, lay around, smoke a bunch of weed, and like, because it's like the story of, well, I already feel bad. Mm -hmm. So if I'm gonna do these things that I I know aren't, you know, on the list of my ultimate dream day or, or a, a day that gives me energy or something that I would aspire to have. Yeah. It's kind of always been like doubling down on negative energy. Mm -hmm. That is so fucking crazy. Uh, I can be gathering. And, and even when you are in the town and you're like, well, I'm just going to eat pizza and smoke weed and play video games that's okay too like you're not really trying to wiggle out of it you're like all right this is what I, these are my tools down here this is what's gonna make me feel okay down here for now you know yes yes so it's like we don't even need to compound shame about those those things that we use true and it's like i the, don't mean to use those as negatives i guess you're right because we think of those things and we're like, I need to stop that. I need to eat less. I need to be more productive. I need to X, Y, Z. Literally, I feel shame about all that stuff. Yeah, but all of those things, like, bring you a type of joy and satisfaction. So they serve you a, a purpose. And I think they start to cause dissonance when they start to become uncomfortable. Because you're faced with, all right, well, I'm not really getting anything from this anymore. And maybe there's not enough self-trust for you to be like, okay, what's the next thing? And so much in, like, you're such a mirror for me because so much of what I say to you, I need to say to myself as well. Anyway, that's just a little lesson about, like, because I just, it just clicked in my mind for a second thinking about those rabbit holes and, like, maybe demonizing ourselves for creating them or spending time in them or going back out in them, even when we've identified them. But I think that You're is right. literally yeah. inevitable. Uh-huh. We just are going to be up and down. Again, it, it's like it's even a continued internal externalization of, of something that it's like I always want to point to something mm -hmm. and be like, that's bad. Oh, the, the hole is bad. Well, the amount of time I spend in the hole is bad. Well, no, that's okay. Well, the things I do in the hole are bad. Mm. Like, well, I should be reading a self-help book when I'm in the hole. And you know what? <laughs> because literally the key is radical self-compassion and yeah. acceptance. Mm. That's literally the key to healing. So, like, that's why it's so fucking confusing when you're like, I keep trying to find things. I, you're going to keep finding problems when you're looking for them. So it's like, let's make the goal let's put all my energy toward complete <laughs> radical acceptance and compassion for oh. my experience yeah that's like a complete rewiring from the energy that i grew up with yeah 
Me too. Most of us. And I, and I grew up with a lot of compassion. But, you know, not as much as I'm learning to have for myself. Nothing is gonna stay the way it is. Everything's in flux. And so, you know, we're not gaining, gaining anything by punishing ourselves for like a transitory moment coping with our experience. If it doesn't say anything about who we are, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, that shame guy in there. Blame blame him. <laughs> if you want to blame somebody. Fuck you, shame guy. <laughs> but also, if we're going to go into IFS, it's like you have to be compassionate with you and him. Oh, and yeah. oh yeah. Love you, shame guy. Oh, wait. <laughs> How are you trying to protect me? How are you trying to protect me, shame guy? He says that he is afraid that we won't be loved. That's it. (laughs) I love you unconditionally. That's all we need. Thank you. I love you too. (laughs) And I love you, dear listener. I love you, dear listener. (laughs) Thank you for listening in on this intimate conversation. I felt, um, I feel like I'm at a good balance with feeling like, with knowing I'm being recorded, but also feeling very connected to you. Me too. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And I hope you, dear listener, can feel connected to us as well. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk to you next week. Much love. Peace. Bye. Bye.